Good evening and welcome to our service tonight. We're so thankful you've chosen to be here. We have a number of guests with us and we're thankful for that. We want you to know that you're always welcome here at Midway at any of our services and uh, we invite you to come and be with us on Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoons and on uh, Wednesday nights as well. If you have questions in regard to the uh, Church of Christ or in regard to the Word of God, we'd love to sit down with you and study with you and help you to understand, as best of our knowledge, uh, the things that God would have us to do. If you have your Bible tonight, go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter number 6. For those of you who are guests, what we've been doing this year is our overall theme for the year is the battle belongs to the Lord. And I don't know of any better uh, Bible book to look at in regard to the, the Lord fighting battles and so forth than the book of Joshua. And so on Sunday night... We have been going through the book of Joshua, studying through it, and thinking about some lessons that we can learn from the book of Joshua. And we were on chapter number 6 last time. We had our outdoor singing last week, but uh, uh, the the Sunday night before that, we were studying from the book of Joshua. We were in chapter number 6. We were also focusing on verse number 2 as well, but we'll do that again tonight. As we think about Joshua chapter 6 at verse number 2, and I'm not sure what's going on here with our thing, verse number 2 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now if you were with us last time, when we were talking about this passage, we were talking about the fact that sometimes God's gifts are uh, conditional. Uh, when, we, when we looked at that passage and when we thought about what was there in that passage last time, what we found was that God goes on and tells Joshua that the way that this nation or this city, rather, is to be conquered is by them to walk around that city one time a day for six days, and on the seventh day they are to march around that city, the whole army and uh, the whole group of people, And then uh, they were to do that for seven times. And then after that time, what they were to do was to shout and the walls would fall down flat. Now the whole thing hinged on the fact of what we saw in verse number 2. God says, I've given this to you. You know, marching around a city and then shouting at the end did not generally cause walls that were uh, at least 12 feet thick uh, to fall down. But God was the one who made all of that happen. And so we talked about God's gifts being conditional. If they had not walked around and they had not shouted and done the things that God commanded them to do, uh, God would not have given the city into their hand. But tonight as we think about that verse, that same verse, Joshua chapter 6 at verse 2, And focusing on that same thought where God says, I've given the city into your hand, I want us to see tonight that sometimes God's gifts are in promise. Now think about the the terminology that's used there in that passage. God is standing with Joshua. He is speaking to Joshua. And even before, if you were with us, we found that, that Joshua sees someone who's standing. This is at the end of chapter number 5. He sees a man, and the man has his sword drawn, and Joshua says, now, now who are you? Are you for us or are you against us? 
And the reply was, well, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And as we studied through that passage, we came to understand that, that Joshua is talking to God. And God tells him, much like he told Moses when he was speaking to Moses on the side of the mountain uh, at the burning bush, he says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Well, God is standing here and he's talking... Joshua, and he says, Joshua, I have given the city into your hand, but they're looking at the city. It was shut up, the Bible says. The people were in the city of Jericho were afraid, but the walls were still standing. And Jericho, as yet, had not fallen. The people of Israel, the children of Israel, they had not yet possessed the city, and yet God says, I have given the city to you. You know, when we think about that, he says, I have given, that sort of sounds like it's past tense, that it's already been done. But what we find is, it's actually uh, received or actualized, however how you want to say that, in the future. It would not be until the, the children of Israel carried out their part that God would actually, and in this case physically, give the city into their hand. Sometimes God's gifts are in promise. And God, whenever He makes a statement like that, whenever He, he says that I am going to do something or I have done something, you can rest assured that it is so certain, at least on God's part, it is so certain that it, can, that it will happen that God can speak about it as though it has already been done, and yet it is given in promise. Now, when you think about what is said there in, in Joshua chapter 6 at verse number 2, and we remember that the Old Testament passages were, uh, were given for our learning so that we can have hope, so that we can know how God dealt with His people, when we take all of that into consideration and we think about these kinds of statements that are made, we can learn that it means something to us today, that, that, we, can, that we can understand more about God and some of the ways that He deals with us today. Now let me ask you a question. You already see it on the screen tonight. Do you have eternal life? Now this is a big question, it's one that needs to be answered. It's something that, that most people in, in our world, you know, they, they strive to have a long life here, they want to live as long as they can. And, and I even saw uh, in, uh, on one of the websites, one of the news websites, I think it was this past week, one of the headlines was, scientists say immortality um, it, it is possible. And, and they were talking about, okay, now we're discovering medicines and we're discovering how to make people live longer and we'll keep them here for a long, long time. God has promised immortality ever since the beginning. He gave man an immortal soul. He made man so that he could live forever. And if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, He even placed the the, the fruit that was there, the tree of life, in that city, in that uh, garden, so that Adam and Eve and their descendants would be able to live and never die. It wasn't until they disobeyed God that death would come into the world. 
And so God made it possible, even from the very beginning, for man to live forever. But the question tonight is, do you have eternal life? And how does that relate in any way to what we're talking about in Joshua chapter 6 at verse number 2, where God says to Joshua, I have given the city into your hand. Well, whenever we think about eternal life and how it is addressed in the religious world today, there are uh, two basic principles or two basic philosophies, if you will, that, uh, that people hold. You may have heard the one that has been taught in a lot of the religious world. Once a person has eternal life, once he is saved, it's sometimes said in this way, then he can never be lost. He's once saved, always saved. He always has eternal life. They say, by the way, the word eternal means, you know, that it goes on and on and on. And if you've got eternal life, that means that you cannot be lost. You, if you've attained life eternally, even here, then uh, you could never be lost. And so, let me just say here at the very outset, I, I believe that, that a misunderstanding sometimes of, uh, of certain Bible principles have led people to be confused and have led people to, uh, to preach and to teach things that are not quite in harmony with the rest of the Word of God. But I ask that question tonight, do you have eternal life? And when I answer that question from Scripture, it seems some, at least verses, seem to indicate that we already have it. Okay, And so it would agree with some of the things that have been taught. Notice, if you will, two or three verses with us. John chapter 3, verse number 36. The Bible says, whoever believes in the Son has. Notice I put it in bold and put it in yellow on the screen. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And that, that seems to be, okay, I've got it now. Okay, I've already, I already have it. I have eternal life. Now, even if we do have it, let me say, it does not mean that we, that we uh, cannot lose it, if, if you want to put it in those terms. But, but just think about it and follow along with me. Look at another passage, say, staying in the book of John, chapter 5, at verse number 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, this is Jesus speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And that was like the one that we looked at in chapter 3, seems to indicate I've got eternal life now. And if you take the logic of many of the religious people today, then that means that if it's eternal, I've got it, I can't lose it, I, I, it's, it's already there. Look at John chapter 6 at verse 47. And again, I'm not introducing anything to you that's not already been said tonight, but verse 47 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Again, we're, we're seeing a pattern here over and over and over again that the Bible speaks about a person has eternal life. Turn to the book of John chapter 10 and look at verses 27 and 28. Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. He talks about his sheep and he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. 
and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And again, when you look at that passage, it seems to be, at least on the surface, saying folks have eternal life, you have it right now. Okay? And it can never be taken away from you. Uh, go to another book, 1 John chapter 5, same writer, but 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And, you know, I've preached on 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, as well as many other gospel preachers, and, and we believe you can know that you have eternal life, but again, as you look at this passage, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so we've seen several passages, and there are others, I, I will say to you tonight, that, that seem to indicate the same thing, that eternal life is a present possession of Christians. Okay? But then you can turn to other passages of Scripture that indicate that when we're thinking about eternal life, that it is a future promise. Think about what is said in the book of Romans chapter 6 at verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. That seems to indicate some future giving of eternal life, doesn't it? Okay? Well, look at another passage again uh, in the book of Titus, chapter 1 at verse number 2, written by the same apostle. Paul writes there, "...in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages uh, began." Again, in hope of. Paul, writing to Christians, writing to, uh, to a Christian preacher, to Titus, he says about those of us who are Christians that we live in hope of eternal life. And again, when you think about it, the promise was made back before the earth was created, you know, that God would make it possible for His creation to have it, but it's still in hope of eternal life. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, and this is the promise that He has made to us eternal life. And again, the promise, uh, you know, doesn't seem to be uh, fulfilled as of yet. So as we look at it, there, there are passages that seem to indicate future. Uh, one more, Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. Uh, Jesus, Peter, makes the statement that we and the other apostles, we, we've left everything, Lord, for you. What do we get? And Jesus is answering that, and he says, uh, who will not... A hundredfold, he's talking about those who have left everything. He says, who will not a hundredfold now in this time uh, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Uh, yes, we will be handsomely rewarded for living for Christ. But the point that I wanted to make from uh, verses 28 through 30, we just read verse 30, the point that I want to make is, he seems to point out, eternal life is in the age to come. 
And so which is it? Do we have it right now? Is it some future promise? If we have it right now and it's eternal, how could we ever lose it? Which is it? I need to know. As I think about that, what if Israel had not met God's conditions? We've already talked about that. Spent a whole lesson two weeks ago in dealing with it. What if they had not met His conditions? What if they did not walk around the city of Jericho? Did not shout at the end of the seventh time on the seventh day? What if they didn't do it exactly like He said? What if they decided that they would shout all the way around every day? What if, you know, on about the third day, they were walking around, they said, it's hot out here, this is crazy, and I'm not going to do this tomorrow. What if they just decided to quit and not meet the conditions of God? Well, you know what would have happened. You understand that. It's, it's very plain for us in the Word of God that if they didn't meet the conditions, God's not going to give them the... It had been that way ever since they left Egypt. They didn't do what God said. They didn't get the promises that God made. What if they had not met God's conditions? We'd have been reading something different in the book of Joshua, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Well, think about this. Can a person stop hearing and believing? Is it possible to do that? Now, I ask that question because if you are familiar with the passages, John 3, 36, 5, 24, 6, 47, 10, 27 through 28, 1 John 5, 13, that we just got through reading the things that are indicated in the way that you have the eternal life is you believe. Jesus says believe. First John, I mean uh, John chapter 3. Uh, in, in John chapter 10, he added the, the part that my sheep hear my voice. question is, is it possible to stop hearing and believing? In other words, I'm asking Something similar to the question, well, what if the children of Israel, you know, on that third or fourth day, had said, ah, this is crazy, we're not going to do this tomorrow. I'm staying in the bed, I'm sleeping in. We'll just wait until the walls fall down and we'll walk in and take over. Is it possible in the middle of our life, even, even as a Christian, to stop hearing and believing? That's an important question. Psalm 106, verse 12, talks about the children of Israel. And he says about them in verse 12, then they believed his word. You've got to read the whole thing to understand that he's talking about the children of Israel. They believed his word. They sang his praise. We're going down about 12 more verses. Verse 24. Same people he's talking about. Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They believed what he said about it to start with, and then later what they do? They quit believing. They had no faith. 
in it. You see, the very people that we're talking about in the book of Joshua, if you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, the way they lived their life, they listened, but they began to despise even what God gave them. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been studying from the minor prophets, the least studied books in the Bible, and you know the problems that the children of Israel faced, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah as well, to the point that God had the northern kingdom taken away never to return. Southern, king, southern kingdom, Judah was taken into Babylonian captivity to serve as slaves for 70 years before they would eventually return. These people stopped believing. Hebrews chapter 3 at verse 12 Again, the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about the same people. And he gives a warning. After talking about those people, he warns the Hebrews to whom he's writing, and then to us, present day, says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. What the writer of the book of Hebrews says is you can be just like those folks back in the Old Testament. And you can lose your faith. Stop believing what God tells you. He says be careful so that you don't do that. Those people basically stop listening to God and stop believing Him. And he says, by the way, you need to be careful today that you don't do it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes to, Tim, uh, to Timothy and says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You think about what Paul says there in verse number 4. They will turn away from listening. What were they listening to to begin with? They were listening to the truth. You can't read that sentence without understanding they were listening to the truth. Truth comes from God, from His Word. They were listening to the truth, but what did they do? Stop listening. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Those things that are not true. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, the writer of the book of Hebrews warns us that we're not to be like the folks in the Old Testament. Don't stop believing. If it's not possible for us to stop, what possible sense could it make for the writer of the book of Hebrews to warn us about it? It wasn't possible for us to stop. And the Apostle Paul, if it's not possible for us to Quit listening to Jesus once we've started. What possible sense does it make for him to write what he wrote here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4? 
You know the answer to that. It doesn't make sense. And so in answer to our question, can a person stop hearing and stop believing? Well, the Bible seems to indicate that. And again, I suggest to you tonight, it's sort of like what the children of Israel could have done had they chosen. God says, I've given the city into your hand. You've got to meet the conditions. But they could have started and stopped. And on Wednesday or Thursday, the walls of Jericho would still have been standing. And they never would have fallen. But back to our question, do you have eternal life? Is it some present thing that we possess that we could never lose? Or is it something that is of the nature of a future promise, sort of like Joshua chapter 6 at verse number 2? Well, we've already read John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let me just point something out here that's very interesting. It's not altogether obvious to us, just reading it in the English language, but God chose a very precise language with which to reveal His Word. And, and there's not a, not a test tonight, so you don't have to remember these things. You can research it out. It's not that hard to do. But there are parts of speech in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written. And, and when you start thinking about the verbs and the nouns and all those kinds of things, they also have you know, some different tenses and things like that. Just the easy way of, uh, of talking. Well, let me just say it this way. That word that's translated, my sheep, hear my voice, is a word in the original language which is in a tense simply known as the present active indicative. Now, that's not on a test. But here's what that means. When something is in the present active indicative tense, mood, in the original language, all it says is this. The verb action continues. My sheep, and could very literally be translated, keep on or continue hearing my voice. They keep on. But that's not the only verb in that passage that's in that tense, in that mood. I give is also present active Indicative. Because the sheep keep on hearing Christ's word, he keeps on giving the eternal life. He keeps upholding the promise, the bargain on his part. You keep listening to me, and as the other passages that we've looked at revealed, when you get to the end of the way, You'll go to heaven. 
and you'll live with God forever. The promise is made to us today, but the ultimate fulfillment is in the future. You keep on listening to God, and He will keep on giving the eternal life. He said to the children of Israel, I have given the city into your hand. It was still standing. The inhabitants of Jericho still possessed that city, but God said, I have given. It wasn't until the conditions were met, the people had walked around, that they actually received the fulfillment of the promise. We keep on walking in God's ways today. Guess what? One day we will hear God say, Well done. Enter the joys that I have prepared for you. Well done. A promise made now that is so certain God will uphold His end of the bargain if we uphold ours. It is so certain that it can be spoken of as though it has already happened. Very quickly tonight, when does one know he has eternal life? Well, I'm not going to belabor this point tonight, spend a lot of time on it, or time's about up tonight. When does one know he has eternal life? Well, John does a lot of writing about that. He's the one who speaks about eternal life probably more than any of the other New Testament writers in the book of John and also in the book of 1 John. But in 1 John, there are some things that that, in, that, that indicate what a person knows. Do you remember in chapter 5 at verse 13? And I don't have this back up on the screen, but he made the statement. He says, I wrote these things so that you can know that you have eternal life. John, what did you write? The rest of the book of 1 John. I have written these things so you can know. What does the rest of the book of 1 John say? Well, just pick out two or three passages for the sake of time tonight. Verses 3 and 4 of 1 John chapter 2. He says, And by this we know that we've come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. I've got to do what God said. By the way, is that not what God intended for the children of Israel to do as He promised to them Jericho, keep my commandments. Walk around the city. Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. Do it anyway. Because God said to. By this we know, if we keep His commandments. John, 1 John 2, verse 5. But whosoever, whoever keeps His word... In Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we're in Him. There's salvation in no one else but Jesus. According to the book of Acts chapter 4, verse number 20, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in Him. Forgiveness is in Him. Just go through the New Testament. Well, how do we know we're in Him? Keep His Word. 
Here's another one, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. He gets some specifics here. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. We talked about this morning, forgiven forgivers. Just how minute the sin is that people sin against us and how big ours is in relation to, to God. Part of the reason we forgive other people because we love them. And that's true with a lot of things, not just forgiveness. But if we've got a bad attitude toward folks, toward people, we're going to have a hard time getting to heaven. Whoever does not love abides in death. No eternal life that is there. God's gifts sometimes come in the form of promises. That's what happened in Joshua chapter 6 at verse 2 when God made that statement to Joshua. God has promised us eternal life. If we want it, we obey Him. We live for Him. We give our life to Him here. And He will handsomely reward us on the other side. I don't know about you, I don't want to live on this earth eternally. I don't want to live here with all the bad stuff going on. But I know a better place. No sickness, no pain, no death. None of that stuff. No sin. Nothing. And I want to be there. God says you can go there. I've made it possible for you to be there. And I will keep my end of the deal. Question is tonight, what about you? How bad do you want to go? Bad enough that you're willing to follow His commands? It's certain that we will. You don't even have to question it. There's no doubt about it. If we obey God, we can live with Him forever. It may be tonight that you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. By putting your Lord on in baptism, because you believe in Him, you've repented of your sins, you've made that great confession, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Maybe you need to do that tonight. If you need to know more about it, what it's all about, I'd love to sit down with you. There are others here who would love to sit down. Just ask a question. Maybe you're here tonight and in the past you've become a Christian, but you haven't been living like one. Bad attitudes, all the way down to bad actions. You need to come back to the Lord. Because you want that promise that God has made. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to respond for the, in the, to the invitation of the Lord. Whatever reason that might be, 
If you do, come right now as we stand and sing.